From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Somebody please think of the children! 
and welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Madeline Kessner. She is the director of the Unnamed Footage Festival in San Francisco, which is happening in on March 23rd through the 26th of this year. And it's dedicated to the wild world of found footage, faux documentary, and in-world camera horror, aka all of my favorite stuff. Welcome to the show! I am so happy to be here. We're so excited to have you here and, and get to talk with you, particularly about your movie choice, which, boy, I cannot wait to dig into that. But before we do get that far, um, let's talk about the Unnamed uh, Footage Festival. How did this come to be? How did you get involved what is it? Let's let's hear it all about it. Yeah. So, man, it's a little of a kind of meandering story. But so let's start with I moved to San Francisco um, in 2016. And at the time, and it was for work. So it was like, oh, I guess I'm moving across the country for no good reason except money. <laughs> but at the time, I had been running another film festival called the Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival okay. on the East Coast, which was just a regular genre fest, just an underground film fest. Um, and that still uh, is in existence. I only program for them now, but they are still going strong oh, cool. in Philly. But I had moved to San Francisco with no friends or anything, and so I started hanging out at Terror Tuesdays at the Alamo Drafthouse New Mission there. Mm -hmm. And that is where I met um, a group of people who called themselves the Overlook Theater. Okay. Russell, Oksana, these are the people I run the film festival with now, but I got introduced to them there, and... When I first met them, I'm like, hi, I'm Madeline. I write for Fangoria. I run a film festival. And they're like, who's this bitch? Like, who's this <laughs> pretentious snob? And why is she talking to us? <laughs> and the more that we ran into each other and talked, the more they were like, oh, actually, she's okay. <laughs> and then we started, like, hanging on the weekends, getting absolutely wasted, watching horror movies all the time. And it was like, you know so fast we had become such good friends and i was gonna fly back to philly for the festival and i invited them to come along and they did and they didn't know that a film festival could be anything other than you know like sundance like mm -hmm. you know all prestige oh. and you know lines and guests and people you know being fancy and so this was the first time they had been to a real underground film festival and it blew their minds and they're like, we want to do this, but we want to do it for found footage horror. Uh, they were working on kind of becoming the go-to found footage horror people. They wrote about it. They, you know, had made so many connections with filmmakers and they're like, this actually might be the perfect way to, you know, get this out and get people to recognize it as more than just, you know, garbage, yeah. you know, like, you know, low budget shit that people made to rip off paranormal activity because there were so many artists like working in this space and making these crazy movies. And like yeah. the way we kind of talked about it was we're going to make rules about what we show. And in order to screen something, we have to completely justify it. So okay. it has okay. to be either found footage horror, faux documentary, which we use instead of mockumentary because people associate mockumentary with them. Um, yeah. With, like comedy yeah and yeah. even though mockumentary the mock is actually mocking the documentary form but like either way we're like we're gonna call it faux doc to be you know even more 
like pseudo smart. <laughs> I call it pseudo documentary because I got a Good. pull up my ass apparently. So like Even I better. get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then we added first person POV, and then we added screen life. Um, and so anything that fell into these genres, we were able to show. And if it broke too many rules, we couldn't show it. We talked about it like it was the what like Dogma ninety five oh, of, har- of yeah. horror filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. So we started during the film fest, and it was just a blast. Well, we we do it at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco. We are in our sixth year now, um, oh, yeah. and like we have programmed some of what I think are like the best found footage horror films ever made, uh, and and not because we programmed them, we sought them out because we thought they were, and so we're just like really proud of what we've been able to do and present and. Um, you know, bring people out and inspire so many people to work in the genre. I went last year and it was the best experience. It's like, it is so fun. And y'all really do have such an incredible eye for like these projects. And I know that you have a really awesome programming team to find these like projects that are so like under the radar, like no one has heard of. I mean, y'all were one of the first to screen the Outwaters, which was like absolutely incredible. And I wanted to hear more about like how y'all source and like what the process is and like what the programming process is like for finding these movies and maybe in talking about it, like weave in some of the cool shit that's coming <laughs> this year uh, yeah. to the festival. Cause you got some really awesome stuff on the lineup. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing is we just have a film freeway. So we take open submissions. Yeah. Anybody can submit okay. to us. We get a lot of submissions that don't meet the format and, then we have to email them and let them know. It's like, hey, you shouldn't have submitted this. It's yeah. a regular <laughs> this is narrative. Not even remotely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or this is a real documentary. Or <laughs> yeah. this is an experimental film where you throw rocks in a lake. Um, I hope they don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> we, then we also do a lot of scouting. So we have Thomas Burke, for example, who is like, a scholar of film footage horror he scouts Former for guest us of the show <laughs> i love thomas so much i just had a beer with him in austin actually rolled <laughs> like what a cool dude <laughs> he's so cool yeah and he's he's very excited for the program also um because you know we are actually going to screen one of his white whales this year okay which is oh, a which film that was formerly titled the tontine massacre and is now called tontine which was made in 2011. It was a faux reality TV show. Um, so they went to Fiji. They had Peter Jackson's production studio come out with them. And oh, they shit, shot. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. Like, this what is a fuck? major movie. They, <laughs> they shot this um, basically reality TV show gone wrong. So the contestants are basically you join the cast by pledging your life savings. And you put the, you know, the title to whatever you're pledging into a safe and you have a key. So each cast member has a key. And if you lose your key, whoever gets it gets your life savings. So the goal is to get as many other people's keys as possible. Um, But it is, you know, just supposed to be straight reality TV. Right. (laughs) And it clearly goes wrong. Uh-huh. But the thing that's so incredible about this film is when they decided to do it, you know, Paranormal Activity had just come out, The Blair Witch had been such a big deal, and they're like, we want to do a found footage horror movie on steroids, and we're going to do the craziest marketing campaign that anyone's ever seen. 
so they got, I believe his name is Rob Mariano from Survivor, and they asked him, like, he's going to be the host. And he was, of course, like, super famous from Survivor right. and The Amazing Race or whatever the hell he was on. And so he was doing all these press tours, and on every interview, he would plug Tontine as a real reality show. That's so freaking wild. And so they got all all this footage of real people doing things to get on the show, you know, submitting audition tapes, and no one knew it was fake. Oh shit. Oh. And then what the fuck? And then the movie fell into limbo. Wow. It played at two film festivals, and my understanding is they couldn't get a good enough deal so you know they they were looking for a certain amount of money certain type of distribution and they couldn't land it in my opinion the film was way ahead of its time and okay. that's why like people were like we don't know what to do with this this is right. too crazy and yeah. like now it it makes complete sense but because of that it just disappeared so there's no record of this movie like people don't even know it was a movie they still think it was a reality show that got canceled holy shit yeah, and I Tom, Thomas came to me with it. He's like, "Hey, can you find this for me?" And I'm like, "I'm gonna." <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And you did. Jesus. I just start I'm crazy. I'll like I'll look up people's contact, I'll call random phone numbers, I send Facebook messages out. And eventually I got to someone who led me to the director who led me to the producer who owns it and and he sent me a copy and you could see how many times it had been watched. Thirteen. Wow. So me and twelve other people wow. other than the 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 crew have seen this movie and you know, whoever saw it at the film festival film back fest, in twenty eleven. Right? But wow. it's it's really fucking good. I'm really excited. Oh um, my god. I'm <laughs> Oh. Well, I'm really excited because guess the fuck what? Terry and I are going to the Unnamed Footage Festival we sure this are. year Yay. together. We're so excited to be going and watching yeah. this movie. Yeah, and, and um, in addition many, to many attending, others. you're also jurors. Yes. Yeah. So we have just like an incredible jury this year with the two of you on it. And you know, only our listeners will be able to know that right now. <laughs> Haha! Exclusive, exclusive, a podcast exclusive. <laughs> well, I w- I wanted to know like how you got into found footage. Like, how did the path lead you to loving found footage and being one of us that loves found footage oh so much? Um, that's a really good question. And like earlier today, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, what was the first found footage horror movie I saw? Yeah, I think it was Paranormal Activity. Okay, and I can't what a good come one to start up with. with anything that I saw prior to that. And the best part is like, I was completely, you know, I, I was very blah about it. It like, didn't yeah. do it. it. Like it didn't impress me at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. I'm trying to think of like what I watch next, because I definitely like start getting interested in the genre. I think a big one for me was this movie called hooked up. If you've heard Ooh, of it. No. Yeah. I saw it at a film festival in, Denver. It was at the Mile High Horror Film Fest. Okay. And I was there representing Fangoria. Um, I was like hosting some Q&As and like, you know, writing um, some movies and I'm hanging out in the lobby and I'm getting ready to leave and these two guys come up to me and they're like, hey, you have to stay for the midnight movie. <laughs> we made it. Here's a ticket. 
even though I have a badge, like I, I don't need a ticket to anything. I just walk right in. Mm-hmm. They're like, here, we got you a ticket. We really want you to see our movie. Oh. And I'm like, okay, that's really sweet. I think maybe I'll like wander in, watch some. It's going to be after midnight and then I'll, I'll leave. And about five minutes in, I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> this is incredible. It's um two kind of bros. Okay. And they are traveling through Europe. And they're shooting everything on their iPhones. And it's extremely naturalistic. Mm. Like, the, you know, the footage cuts in and out all the time because they really are taking these little iPhone videos. They're, like, interviewing each other. Like, where are we at? Where are we going? Who are we partying with? They're, like, taking photos of girls. And then um, it turns into a haunted house movie. And it was the realism. I don't think I had seen anything that, like, reached that level prior. Okay. So, like, that really stuck with me. And I think after that, I started actually seeking out found footage. Oh, my God. The guy who um, directed or- the uh, the OG Orphan and House of Wax is an executive producer on it. Yeah. Oh. That makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah. That makes a Wait, lot of sense. that looks so good. It's oh, really good. I've never heard good. of it. Okay. That's going on. Let's see. You, <laughs> you got – you – I think I know found footage. And then you were like, Hello. I've seen so much. It's <laughs> oh, you've, incredible. You've definitely seen plenty of films that I haven't even heard of. So <laughs> Isn't it great loving these this weird genre of like random yeah. things that like five people have watched and you're like, hey, you wanna watch this creepy thing I found on YouTube? Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's the I, best. I mean, other than that, it was really hanging out with Russell and Oksana that like cool. got me fully initiated. I was interested in it as an art form because like I have a film student background. Like I am sort of a pretentious fuck. Like they were kind of <laughs> right at the beginning um and i'm really into formalism which is experimental filmmaking that is more about drawing attention to the form than Mm. it is about the content of the film so like movies so there's this guy named paul sharitz who is an experimental filmmaker who like does films where it's each frame is a different like neutral color and so all it is is this pulsing and flashing and it's actually not about watching the movie it's about recognizing the frames and hearing the sound of the projector for 40 minutes the film is called nothing (laughs) (laughs) like that's my shit okay (laughs) that's a lot (laughs) that's like that's was that sam bruckage movie like moth light that's literally just like pieces of like stuff on it's like 20 minutes of just like like a flickering uh-huh exactly yeah, yeah moth light is beautiful it's, but it, i did that is a beautiful movie i say that and i do find beauty in that stuff yeah so i see a lot of formalism in found footage too because it isn't that they're drawing attention to the form they are tricking you about what the form really is yeah oh it's the best but then yeah you also are supposed to recognize the camera like you're supposed mm-hmm. to know how that's being made which uh-huh. is so cool and like you are and it draws more attention to you as a viewer and like you are watching it. You're so much more aware. It's like it's not passive, which I think is what I love so much about film footage. It's like not a passive art form. Like you have a much more active role, even if you don't think you do. Yeah, I love, I love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So can we? I want to talk a little bit more. What else is coming to the fest that, you, that are like you're really excited for? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm excited about Tantine. I can't I mean, shut yeah. up about it. Um, <laughs> 
I am really excited about we're going to show we always do some uh, repertory screenings like we'll we'll like try to show stuff that like might be better known or maybe has been forgotten about. So like we are doing Cloverfield with the Alamo. Uh, it is the 15th anniversary. It's on 35 millimeter. It's like one of the best movies ever made. Um, and we are also going to show a film called the Yes, you have Cloverfield. <laughs> I have the uh, it's the 4K pre-release they just did oh my god i had to get it i should own that i but i'm like psyched to watch it on film too yeah <laughs> we are gonna show a movie called the tunnel okay uh, <laughs> i've heard you don't talk about this one i'm fairly certain yeah actually the tunnel would have been early found footage for me too because i was really into bootlegging when i was younger oh okay and the tunnel did this really interesting thing where they released their own movie via BitTorrent. oh oh did they that, really that was the official release of the film oh that's fucking cool i love that's that that's awesome <laughs> they did this like crazy like proto nft thing like nfts they're you know over they're not they, they're not going to exist for another decade and they sold each frame of the movie prior to shooting the film in order to fund it so they finance their own film via sales of images. Fuck? No fucking way. I yeah, didn't know that about that, about the movie. And oh, then fuck. because it was, you know, crowdfunded in a way. And this is like before Kickstarter, it like really takes off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kickstarter came out around the time they were doing this. So it's like people weren't using it for film financing yet. And then they're like, well, it was financed by the world. So we're going to put it on the Internet and they put it out on torrent. So you had to torrent it to watch it. And I, I torrented it like I, I like downloaded the movie on so torrent. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it's like it was kind of groundbreaking. And then, of course, everybody forgot about it. <laughs> right. But they made a documentary about it and about doing that. Yeah. So we're going to show the documentary. It's called The Tunnel, The Other Side of Darkness. That is the North American premiere. It's only played in Europe and Australia. Um, and then we're going to show The Tunnel right after it. Because when we watched that doc, I, I was like, I can't wait to watch The Tunnel. <laughs> I need to watch it right now. So <laughs> I'm excited to see the documentary because like, this is this year they're putting out everything in like a really nice like package. Like, is this, I feel like it's the first time it's been like available on Blu-ray because I watched it on YouTube. Like, mm -hmm. It's always been a shitty rip of this movie somewhere. Yeah. Like, it's I never had a release. I don't think there's been one. Yeah, there was and only a DVD, but like in Australia. Yeah, so I yeah. think they're doing like a Blu-ray package this year, finally. It's like actually getting like the release it deserves. That yeah. It's not like kind of grainy. But again, it does kind of add to it when you're like, I can only find it on BitTorrent or on YouTube and it's yeah. like not great quality, but it adds to it. I'm so excited you're going to have that because that movie is so fucking good. And one of the scariest moments when a certain something picks up a camera. I know. Fucking terrifying. Like, uh -huh. absolutely. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. I've not seen this. It's a banger. Oh, you're going you're gonna to love it. It's a banger. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> um, we are going to premiere Robbie Banfitch's new film, Tinsman Road. Yeah. Uh, it is wonderful. It's very different from The Outwaters. The mm -hmm. Outwaters is like... Uh, you know, really like ballsy, insane, surreal horror that is like, you know, you can't breathe when you're watching it. And Tinsman Road is far more um, like in mystery, uh, dealing with like interpersonal relationships and like what happens when, you know, um, death strains them. Mm. Uh, it's really good. It's very, very subtly scary. Like it's the kind of like creeping dread where like you don't realize your heart's pounding until 
you feel it like right. pounding out of your chest. Uh, um, so yeah, we're we're the world premiere of that, which like we're so grateful that Robbie enjoyed screening Outwaters with us so much that he's like, we want we want you to do Tinsman Road too. He's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, he's he's the best. He slept on my floor when he was in New York, and Aww. he called. He kept calling me mommy because I kept bringing him things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right for Robbie Van Fitch. Yeah, <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. All right, let me think. Other highlights. You had said offline, uh, or maybe Mary Beth did, that you guys are going to play Horror in the High Desert 2. We that... are going to play Horror in the High Desert 2. I've not seen that... the first one, so that's my goal this weekend is to watch that. That is our closing night, um, so it's going to be the last thing we play Sunday night. It is so scary. The um, second one is? I'm yeah. stoked. Because the first one like definitely caught me off guard with how scary it is. <laughs> no, this one is like... It's not going to catch you off guard how scary it is. It's going to scare you. (laughs) Like, like you won't, you know, you will be terrified watching it. It is, it is intense. It is like, it is clear that Dutch learned a lot making the first one. And now he's like a master. Um, I'm so excited for it. Yeah. Seeing it in a theater is going to be incredible. Yeah. So cool. Um, we're showing a Screen Life film called R hashtag J. Yeah, oh. I saw that at Sundance a couple of years ago. You did. You so you've seen it because yeah. this is another one where it premiered at Sundance and then it kind of vanished. So very few people have been able to see it. I'm excited for people to see it. I think it's really interesting. I think it's cool to see a story like this told in that way. And it's it's cool to see shakespeare shakespeare never like shakespeare will never die apparently like literally will never die like everyone will always put shakespeare in movies and now we have a screen life shakespeare movie which is pretty exciting we always try to program a few things that aren't like straight horror um and so like this was when we were like it's a really good exploration of the screen light format um so like we were really excited that they're gonna let us have it (laughs) that's so cool we're also going to do two shorts blocks, which we um, haven't done a shorts block in a pretty long time because it's always kind of, it's really hit or miss when it comes to shorts. And normally we'll have a handful of really good ones that we want to pair with features. This year we got two 40 minute long movies and we're like, well, what do we do with this? I think we should make two shorts blocks, one for each. Uh, one will be hybrid and experimental, um, and so that is going to be like my file corrupted shorts block. Oh, and then yeah. the other is just straight horror. So the straight horror block is anchored by a uh, a movie. I believe it's going to be the world premiere called The Rage Two. The Rage One was a short film we showed two or three years ago. Okay. Um, and it's like a a body cam movie. Um, so it's mm. you know guy with a gun goes into a house and discovers there's zombies in the house it's very short very scary intense and they had such a good time making it they're like well let's expand this into a 40 minute version and it literally feels like playing a video game like you're in in a haunted house with this guy and zombies are coming at you and so it's basically like you can see his hands and his gun and you're kind of tethered to him yeah, so it's like body cam POV. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, that's gonna okay. be fun. And then we've got a handful of really good, like, straight horror shorts to pair with that. There's one called The Fallen Woman, um, which is really cool. We've got a movie called uh, Shadow Band. It, it's just like a solid block of, like, found footage horror shorts that are really focusing on horror. Cool. Hell yeah. And the other block 
is anchored by a 40 minute long film called digital video editing with adobe premiere pro the real world guide to setup and workflow <laughs> wow yeah that sounds like my life right there <laughs> it is a korean film set entirely in adobe premiere pro oh my god what Yay, that's already yeah. scary <laughs> yeah it is mind-blowing. This movie, it, like, oh, it's yeah. it's so smart. And we were watching it. We were so mad we didn't think of it, you know? <sighs> like, it's all just watching the video and, like, seeing them editing it. And then, like, scares happen. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh, okay. that's exciting. That's fucking cool. Yeah, and also in that block, we're going to premiere uh, Brian, Brian Lanano's new film. Um, he made a movie called Gwilliam. He's a short filmmaker. Gwilliam oh. Crowhand. He makes these really like batshit, crazy, gory horror movies. Uh, and he made something called Content, the Lo-Fi Man, that was very inspired by Tetsuo. Uh, oh, shit. Is about a guy being forced to make content. <laughs> And I'm very excited about watching that with a room full of people. I think I think people are not going to know what to do <laughs> while it's playing. All right. I can't wait. Yeah. I love being uncomfortable in crowds of people. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, that's why I run the found footage horror gauntlet festival. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Let me highlight one more movie. It is a science fiction film called The Gulf of Silence. Okay. Ooh. This is a faux doc, um, and it is a talking head interview with a woman who saw a UFO and then became um, a UFO expert. And just about, like, her experiences, you know, being in the scientific community and being kind of, like, denied by everybody who used to respect her. Also oh, wow. seeing things that, like just are, are absolutely crazy and like um, her interactions with the government and all that a very beautifully shot film most of it is just uh anchored on her face and and she's a very um just like fascinating looking actress like very emotive with her eyes and so it's just interviews with her a woman named mina rhodes um also known as mk rhodes a female director who has done mostly science fiction she made this put it online when it was finished. Um, like it was something she did as an experiment early in COVID. And basically uh, Russell and I had this conversation recently about like, what happens when you make something that's too convincing? Oh, and generally what happens is you get harassed uh, for saying it's not real. And wow. she was being bombarded with emails, messages, people finding her address, phone calls, just saying, oh like, you have evidence of government conspiracy. Why are you denying us? Like, and she had to take it. Uh, I think she basically had to, like, wipe it off the face of the Internet. Holy shit. Yeah. So she submitted that to us um, and basically said, like, the only place this is ever going to be seen is at film festivals if you would like to, to screen it. And um, I, I'm just so taken with it. I'm like, so... Um, I think it's just going to be really beautiful to watch on, on a big screen. Just like very like um, captivating. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. That's just like a handful of our programming. We've got like 15 movies in total and the shorts and all that. It, it's going to be a, a absolutely crazy weekend. Oh, I'm so excited. So 
we talked a little bit about how you got into found footage, just kind of taking it back. But like, what's your relationship to horror in general? Like, what? How did you get introduced to the genre? Was it something you grew up with? Like, kind of, what's your story with horror? Uh, it was not something I grew up with. Okay. okay. Hi, was the biggest scaredy cat on no. earth. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of seeing my own breath when it was cold. Um, I wouldn't walk in sand. Like, I was so scared of the world. And, like, movies scared the shit out of me. Like, you know how everyone's like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory terrified me. And the part that scared them is when they go through the tunnel on the the, the boat, Mm -hmm. right? Nah, I turned that movie off when uh, when Augustus Glomp fell into the river and got sucked up the tube. I'm like, I know better. That kid's dead. I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's how far I got into that movie. That kid was dead, and I knew it. <laughs> um, and then nightmares for like a week after that. Oh. Uh, everything scared me. So it was very rare that I watched horror movies um, until. I was in my mid-teens, I think 14 or 15, I saw Silence of the Lambs in a class in school. Excuse me? A class in school? I want to know why that teacher thought Silence of the Lambs was an appropriate movie to show to an English class. Uh, It's literary, I guess. (laughs) Wow. It, like, awakened something in me. Okay. I was, like, really, really interested in, like, feeling a little, like, scared, like, in that moment. It was, like... 15 years old and all of a sudden i'm like oh maybe it's interesting to be a little bit scared and then immediately i was like evil dead (laughs) (laughs) and then it was kind of like training myself not to have horrible nightmares every time i watch something scary um but it, it was like i went hard pretty fast after realizing it was something i enjoyed but you know it was almost like i was scared of everything and then i realized sometimes it could be fun to be scared and then i realized if i harnessed my fear it was sort of like taking control back in a way yeah mm-hmm. and so like horror has yep. always been like really important to me for that reason is it, it's helped me feel more in control of like my own life you know in this weird kind of way <laughs> oh, right yeah. oh so yeah it it sounds like uh sounds of lambs was the was your first most impactful horror movie that you probably saw because it set you off on this trajectory do you remember yeah. seeing any horror movies when you kid or any like of those movies that like popped up. Yeah. I mean, well, the truth is, um, and this is probably going to eventually lead to the movie that I chose. Like we didn't have cable or anything. Same. Um, and so I didn't watch a lot of TV and Mm. we rented a lot of movies. Like we rented movies constantly, like from the library, from Blockbuster, from Hollywood (laughs) video, which still existed. And what wound up happening is I was really into junk. We, okay. we learned. And so I would rent junk, like Mac and Me, for example. Oh, God, Mac and, and Me. And then we had the double VHS players. Oh. And I would record the movies I liked. Fancy. All right. A bootlegger from day one. I know. <laughs> I've been a bootlegger my whole life, man. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, born pirate. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got two peg legs, two, two, two peg parents. arms. <laughs> All pegs. And a VCR. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> All pegs and a VCR. Yeah. That um, sounds like a great uh, band. <laughs> All pegs and a VCR. <laughs> sounds like a fun cover band. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I was super into Full Moon Kids movies, so Moonbeam was like the Full wow. Moon Kids okay. label. 
Yep. And like anything that had like weird creatures in it, I was like kind of into. Um, and I think that's the closest I got to watching horror. I know my mom had us watch Poltergeist a little before that, and that was not a good experience. I can Ooh, imagine. I can imagine. Uh, that yeah. ruined my shit when I was a kid, so I could, like... Yeah, and I'm, like, 12 or 13, I think, when we watch Poltergeist, so, like, yeah, old enough that I should be okay with it, but I am sure not. <laughs> okay. Okay. <Sorry>. No. <laughs> I was gonna say let's take a break and then go and then we can talk about the movie you brought, Madeline. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as as easy as pie. Sure, all you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. And welcome back from commercial break. <laughs> All right. We have foreshadowed it, but Madeline, what oh boy. movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Talk about full moon features. Like this is, I don't believe this is full moon, but it's talk not. about those kinds of films, though. <laughs> so the movie I brought today was uh, 1992's um, Munchie. All right. So for many of you who are probably not familiar with this, um, but more than I expected, because when I tweeted, but when we've tweeted about this movie, people have been like, oh, yeah, Munchie. And I was like, what? Um, but anyway, in this, this is the plot synopsis from IMDb. This is everybody. a great, an all-timer. This is an all-timer. In this in-name-only sequel to the 1987 film Munchies, the new kid in town, Gage Dobson, can't find his place in the new environment despite having such a cool name. Why is that in the synopsis? <laughs> Who cares? The Gage Dobson school- is a cool name. The kids at school bully him, the girl he likes, and his mo- and his mom is about to marry <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. The girl he likes ignores him, maybe? But they leave that out. They Uh, leave that out. The girl he likes and his mom. Yeah. (laughs) And we, we, yeah. And why would we ever edit this? It's so much more fun reading the unedited spot synopsis. Um, His mom's about to marry a scoundrel, but everything changes for Gage Dobson when he stumbles into Munchie, a friendly gremlin-like creature that dresses like a lounge singer Sounds like a stand-up comedian has magical powers. <laughs> Bravo, IMDb. I, <laughs> okay, before uh, we do talk, get into this movie. Uh, I just, I just want to say that it was really funny when when Mary Beth texted me that your choice was Munchie, and I was like, "What the fuck is Munchie?" <laughs> and so I Google it, and I'm like, "Wait, Munchie or Munchies?" Because no. I look at the poster for Munchies, and that was like 
one of those posters that terrified me as a kid. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of cool and creepy. It's this like gremlin like thing looking up a woman's skirt. And I was like, are you sure we're not talking about that? And she's like, no, we're talking no. about munching. I'm like, cause I was like, Madeline was very specific <laughs> that this was the terrible in name only sequel to the actual horror movie. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh no, Madeline knows exactly what, what is being picked here. And I'm so excited to hear your scarred for life story about munchie like so why is this your pick tell us the story about how you first saw this movie what scared you about it i want to know all right so i've spent a lot of today trying to like piece (laughs) the memory together Um, because truthfully i was quite young when i saw this um honestly the thing i'm using to kind of like realize when it was in my life is i knew it was before my parents divorced Oh man, love a love a good divorce is a marker of memories. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So I must have been like six or seven years old, right? Okay. okay. So my recollection is okay. So a little fun background: uh, my mother was a treasure hunter. <laughs> what? My like what level of seriousness of treasure hunter here? Like her full time job or like side hustle? Um. I guess a side hustle is the real answer. So my mother, when, you know, she was um, like early 20s, <laughs> she was like, I'm going to Grand Cayman. And she went to Grand okay. Cayman <laughs> and it was supposed to be like a week trip. And she went, I'm going to stay. So she stayed. And what she did to make a living was she was a scuba diver and she would take people out scuba diving. And then she would go looking for golden doubloons while scuba diving. So she would actually dig up treasure to sell so that they could live um, in Grand Cayman. Holy shit. So for that reason, my mom has always had ties with Cayman and still has friends who live there. Um, So that was like our vacation spot. So my, <laughs> I love this because my dad used, my dad used to collect gold doubloons. Yeah. Like he has, what? A, he had like, <laughs> yeah. Was he, he would... a treasure hunter? <laughs> No, he was a, a buyer of them. Oh. He would go to the the local like coin coin store and buy doubloons and and random <laughs> ship stuff that people were selling. I mean, my mom may have sold yeah. some of it. I know that's what I'm thinking. Oh my god, Terry and Madeline, <laughs> the gold doubloon connection. That's my found footage movie. We're gonna make a found footage movie about this. We haunted doubloons and. <laughs> Oh, I'm mm. so into it. And uh, honestly, underwater photography? Come on. I mean... <laughs> Hello, bring it. Anyway, okay. We need to, we need to like, cut this part out and just start talking about it and like, make it into a movie. Idea. Yeah, I don't want anyone to take this. This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but so she had connections okay. to the Cayman. So my recollection is we went to Cayman. So me, my okay. little brother, and my parents. And we go to Cayman. And we go to her friend's house and they're right. like, we'll just leave the kids in the living room, put something on. Ah, uh, childbearing in the famous last word. Childbearing in the 90s? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was munchy <laughs> and it was definitely on TV or on a tape or something they had. Started watching halfway through. And when I was okay. rewatching this movie yesterday, I realized that. I thought it ended with uh, a scene where he was dressed in white and dying, and that was part of the reason I was so terrified. Uh. 
And then I, I, you know, the movie ended. And I'm like, why wasn't one of the scenes that terrified me, like the one that finally drove me to turn it off, in here? And I realized that's the start of the second movie <laughs> of the the third movie, I guess. Oh, but that's Munchie Strikes Back. The third yes. movie. So I, as a child, watched half of Munchie and the first five minutes of Munchie Strikes Back, and then I had a meltdown. And was like, I can't be here anymore. I need help. (laughs) Because something about that puppet scared the living daylights out of me. I don't know why. Because, like, I watched Prehysteria. I watched Pet Shop. I watched all this full moon stuff. But for the most part, they're, like, kind of cute and small. Something about Munchie being the size of a child and his dead eyes and the way that his mouth moved and the way that he was always stiff and stuck in the corner, (gasps) it just scared the shit out of me. I was so scared of him. I had nightmares for months that he was in my room. I had like sleep paralysis where I'm like in bed stuck and Munchie standing (gasps) over me. Oh no. Munchie is your sleep demon. Sleep paralysis demon Munchie. And now I rewatched it and I'm like, this is fucking stupid. (laughs) I love it. Like, that's why I'm so glad you brought this movie because it's so bad. But, like, I can see why it terrified you as a child. Because, like, I was watching it on my computer screen while I was working today. And my husband walks in and he's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck is that? And it was, like, munchie on the screen. And I said, oh, my God, this is a Scarred for Life pick. He's like, yeah, no shit, I'm Scarred for Life now. If I ever come on the show, I'm bringing this movie. What is that? And I explained to him what it was. And I'm like, oh, and by the way, it's voiced by Dom DeLuise. And he's like, are you fucking kidding? me and he he was like turn i have to hear it and so i turned off my headphones and he's like what and then i heard him go this plot makes no sense he's like googling it on his work computer like i don't understand it really doesn't make any sense i mean so so like the other thing i want to mention is i've never seen munchies i've never watched munchies okay cool have you experienced it because we have not i haven't terry i don't know if you have terry <laughs> no i have not i have only seen that poster and that vhs tape that my parents again because it had a suggestion of sex on the cover would not let me watch because they came to this point where my parents are like you can watch gory shit but nothing that have, has any sex and then it became nothing at all and so that was off limits my i don't know what happens in it but it was my off limits. impression is it is it starts kind of like gremlins where they find munchies and then it, it is a little bit like uh like 80s boy sex comedy yeah, that's yeah. Okay. What the, the, i watched the trailer and it very much had that vibe of like horny boys and a lot of shots of boys in bed with girls and yeah. stoner boys and then these weird little gremlin monsters that look nothing like what munchie looks like in this movie no like, they, they look, don't they look like dinosaurs <laughs> like they don't yeah. talk yeah. they're not humanoid at all they're just like bah, 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 bah. like again more like Gremlins because I think Roger Corman wanted to make his version of Gremlins, which is what Munchies is. And like I, in trying to do research for this episode, because I was like, well, okay, I have to understand the continuity. Dear listener, there's nothing. There's literally <laughs> no connection. Like they, and like even when you Google it, barely is it mentioned as a sequel on any article or even on the Wikipedia page. So there is like there is no connection other than name for real between these movies like they are because uh munchie and this is a werewolf looking motherfucker yeah 
Yeah, actually, if you just put a bunch of fur on him, he'd just be a werewolf. So he's like a nude werewolf, but he's then wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> he's got alopecia. He's <laughs> a horrible looking creature. I hate him. Like, who decided? Like, and this is another Roger Corman movie, but then it just went a totally different direction with Munchie. I, I would love to hear the conversation that resulted in, like, them being like, oh, this could just be a sequel to Munchies. Like, what do you think the idea happened first? Or, like, the idea of doing a sequel? I gotta wonder. I, I really, I can't wrap my head around it. And I couldn't find anything. No, no nothing. There's nothing no. out there except that the company is the same. And I'm wondering if they're like, well, we own this property. <laughs> Kids like weird things. Let's combine. this. Watching this movie, all I kept thinking was, this is like... You know, all the big rage right now is people putting in story prompts into AI. <laughs> and so I'm thinking someone said, 1992 kids movie, Munchies. And it's like, here we go. Because th this movie makes not a lick of no. sense. It feels as if someone who has observed human reality is now trying to replicate a successful movie from that time yes. period. And failing miserably. Yep. It has, like, everyone, everything about this movie feels Uncanny Valley. Like, it's just one step removed from reality. Yeah. And, like, another thing worth mentioning, Munchies is set in the late 80s. Munchie opens right. in 1970. 1970. <laughs> For some reason. Fuck continuity, just, man. It, it opens with just... We're new Concord films. And then there's a car chase with Dom DeLuise just, like, saying one-liners. Like, just mumbling. Just into mumbling. The, into the nothingness. You have no idea where his voice is coming from. It's just sort of like he's sitting in the booth, like, winging it, and they're like, put it in the movie. Like... The guy that's that's driving is not saying a lick of anything. He is just... He is like... He looks at the box once in a while. It's glowing yeah. green, I guess, to sim symbolize that he's speaking. But he just doesn't say anything. He's just sort of like, oh, I'm driving. I'm not talking. I want to know what Munchie <laughs> like, did to that guy. I know. I mean, that's... Throwing down in a bottomless pit, which, by the way, <laughs> bottomless pits in movies kill me. Especially when, like, all of a sudden it's like, crink, you yeah. hear it falling. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, how bad was it? bottomless pit in a horror movie. I really do. Yeah. No, like, the setup is nothing. It's not even a set. It's, like, barely a setup. It's just, like, what is this thing? Where did it come from? Who gives a shit? Like, he just is a, a sassy... We don't know what it even is. It sounds like a person. So, like, as far as, much as, we, as, far as we know, there's a dude. Just a dude. In yeah. the box. <laughs> I mean... It it is kind of revealed. Like we can talk about like the. There's no. Can we spoil the? Can oh yeah. Oh Munchie? my god. Oh yes. We can spoil Munchie yes. for everyone. Spoil. I don't even know if it's really possible <laughs> it's to spoil Munchie, but it's already spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm bummed. <laughs> but like later in the movie, it is revealed that Munchie is some sort of like elder god or something. Like there's all these drawings of like ancient Egyptians with like munchie there and then like a buddha with munchie behind him making a face i'm like i want someone to get that tattooed on themselves they must have missed this oh part. my god <laughs> i don't remember this at all when did it's this like happen when the when munchie okay so <laughs> all right is this what the scientists across yes, the street this is what what uh okay what is his name? i did briefly tune out at that point when he's like all of a sudden you I, you gotta leave professor this with me Crook, 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 Crook shake? professor crook shake yes Croak shake, mad the mad the, you know the, the neighborhood mad scientist just hanging yeah. out. Yeah, he's got like a Doc the Brown Doc across Brown. the street. Yep. So like Gage mm -hmm. is our main character. Then he's got his hot mom who does nothing but smile and look pretty. 
Um, and that her. is Lonnie Anderson. Yes. Um, Lonnie, Lonnie Anderson. Anderson. When I saw uh, she was his... nominated for Emmys, I was like, oh my god, and she was in Munchie? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and then, okay, so Gage has a crush on a little girl who is, it is Jennifer Love Hewitt's first role. Jennifer Love Hewitt's debut uh-huh. role. Like, what a stain on her career. <laughs> She just gets to smile too. Speaking of people that smile, all she gets to she's do is only go, called. She's only credited as Love Hewitt. Like the Jennifer yeah, I saw that too. Were they? I don't understand. I, didn't I look mean, into Love that. Hewitt is a sick name, though. It is. It, is a it sick really name. is. But right. So the mom, and then there's the mom's boyfriend, who I guess they've been together for two months, and he's like, "I'm gonna get married and get rid of you, you I'm little shit," to the kid. And so he looks yeah. like a knockoff Tom Selleck slash does. Um, yeah, very does. little like Pierce Brosnan looking. Yeah, with a porn yeah. star mustache. Oh. Yeah, and that very, guy's pretty like, good at physical comedy. Honestly, he, he was. He sells it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And like, it very much is the most like '90s '80s setup of like the new kid is there. Everyone bullies him. Everyone's mean to him. His mom is a single mom, like a hot single mom who has a shitty boyfriend, and he's like the loner kid who gets bullied all the time and he gets in trouble and you know but my i do kind of love that he meets his new best friend his new best friend is just like a misogynistic weird elder god who just like <laughs> loves pizza and <laughs> is just kind of gross and like wants boot and jokes that aren't really not jokes. jokes he doesn't tell a single joke if you ask me no, he just like makes no, observations, doesn't. and like yeah. I know observational comedy is an art form. It's not here though. It's know, just he, it feels like someone just gave it. Dom DeLuise like a line of coke and said just whatever you Go want to say. That guy is a pain in the bumper. <laughs> like it's funnier when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing. The, the the biggest the biggest one I struggle with is alphabet soup. I keep dropping all the letters, and I'm like, I th- I feel like that was supposed to be a joke, but it's just literally him explaining I can't summon alphabet soup because I can't bring the letters. I got an AI prompt that doesn't understand humor. It, so <laughs> seriously, it's incredible. So another thing probably worth mentioning is this movie was written and directed by um, Jim Wynorski. Yes, who did Shopping okay. Mall? Yes, I, Jim Wynorski is like. Uh, like a top tier B movie sex director, like that most mm-hmm. most of what he did yes. was like sex movies that were like horror knockoffs. Yeah, he's still working. Mm-hmm. Is he really? Um, yeah. Attack of the Fifty Foot Can Girl. Oh, that's right. That was two thousand twenty two. They bought ads on our website. <laughs> Good for Big him. Big Foot or Bust, Giantess Battle Attack, Cobra Gator. A lot of sci fi movies in the. Uh, him. The, like, I bet you he gets a decent check to make these dumb movies, and I respect that to a degree. But Munchie and your filmography, I want to interview him just about Munchie. Honestly, I wish someone would. I'd love to know why it happened. Well, I, I, they put it out, I think Shout Factory put it out on Blu-ray, but I don't know if what they like what the special features are and if they have anything like That's that good, on there. I'd like, yeah, I'd be very curious to see if like there are any interviews or like a commentary or something. Because I'd be just so curious to understand like why this movie exists yeah did he do the third one too i think um, he, he did, did he direct the third one yeah like back, <laughs> like back stuck, to back he's stuck with munchie he did like he he, he must have believed in it or he got paid enough to probably believe got in paid it. enough hey. he seems like the kind of guy who like he gets paid and then yeah. and then and he know, makes movies yeah he's like yeah sure i'll make your weird naked werewolf <laughs> puppet movie i mean he is like 
the only thing I think he cares about is really like getting boobs in his movies. Yeah, so there's um an unfortunate uh little bit of trivia that I saw oh, on the no. IMDb page that um I don't know. It again it's it's not there's nothing to attribute it, so I don't know, you know, how true this is, because you never know anyone could edit IMDb, but it says he normally makes R-rated sex comedies and horror films full of naked women, said after seeing a grown-up love Hewitt years later in I Know What You Did Last Summer, that he wished he could have directed her in one of his other films because seeing her naked at that point would have made it a huge success. Uh, I am sure he said that. <laughs> I thought yeah, I was gonna say, like, I don't think that's probably mis- yeah. I think that's probably a direct quote because he definitely gives me creepy old man vibes. I grabbed another quote from him that I wanted to share um, please because I was looking I was looking for any interviews about this movie and I could not find any no same it's weird I'm like is this real film? yeah <laughs> I did find an article uh that um talks about him and it quotes something he said in a documentary about making softcore porn and the quote is big breasts are the cheapest special effects in the business okay <laughs> I thought that was kind of incredible it, 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 I mean, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to just like to pa- unpack it, and like, I mean, I suppose you're not. I know, wrong, right? Like, but like I don't I'm not like sure. It. it doesn't make me feel good, but I don't. I don't no. think I'm a. But it makes sense for the, like I'm, I'm yeah. really, kind of the films that yeah. he's making. Like, it makes sense that he would say that the cheapest special effect. <laughs> I mean, this is the mind that made Munchie a children's movie. <laughs> Which I think you can see by watching this movie, because this movie is fucking it's horny. It's really horny. Not, there's not a lot of tits. Just some tits. No, but there's hor- oh, it's, but it's, it's it's horny. horny. Oh, yeah. It's, dis- it's disgusting. Yeah, like, like that, <laughs> that little kid, he wants to fuck, right? <laughs> I mean, one of the yes, weirdest parts does. of the movie is, like, Munchie throws a party in the kid's house. That's like the whole last act is Munchie throwing a party in the kid's house to get him laid. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> weird... Like, ten, like, the like, kid is like 10. It's like a teen, like, high school house party. and like Yeah, it turns into, like, American And he's pie. inviting all the kids, and they're all showing up with their parents, because they're children, and they can't go to a party at night by themselves, so their parents are, like, chaperoning them but there. But then, like, the principal and his girlfriend show up to his house. So weird. And then he... <laughs> Um, Munchie call Munchie calls like celebrities to show up. Yeah. Like it's and it like He uses the voice of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> That's what at it one was. Point, I was trying uh, to figure out what the voice was. I was like, I know that this is supposed to be a parody of something, um, but I don't know what it is. I was just using context clues because he's like he said yeah. Jack. Oh, it's it's Jack, Jack, oh, Jack Nicholson. He was yeah. doing the kind of oh, yeah, yeah. shining voice and I was like, okay. Well, I also think this is weird. That's something that terrified me watching is not just the puppet was i think dom de Luiz's voice actually kind of scares me yeah me i too. remember his because he had he had he's been in, he had a voice role in a ton of shit i watched as a kid but i think he had one in he was in secret yeah, him he was um he was jeremy the, the, the raven crow. oh the crow but then he also mm-hmm. had i think he had a voice role in a, all dogs go to heaven yeah yeah which is itchy which is a movie that has ruined my life that ruined my brain forever and so that movie scared me uh-huh. And I think Dom DeLuise being in that movie scared me. So his voice just like <laughs> takes takes me back to just like, why does this man's voice bring terror into my heart? Um, so it really was a one-two oh, punch. Oh, he was Tiger in American Tale. He was also in American Tale. Manhattan Island. I mean, he was in so yeah. much stuff. Like he and he has such a distinctive voice. So like, yeah. I I love that he was munchy because honestly, I feel like his voice matches like the skis bag like 
sleazy creature yeah. that Munchie is, but it just makes it all the more disarming. It's just like, I mean, I love that two ugh. years later he didn't come back to be Munchie again. <laughs> he was like, I'm not doing that again. I was going to ask if he was in Munchie yeah. too. He gave it up. He's like, I can't. Like, let me find the name of the individual who played Munchie in Munchie Strikes Back because it's another like old comedian. So still creepy, but not as scary. I, but I do think probably as a kid, it scared me extra when his voice suddenly changed. Because that's un- it's oh, unpleasant. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. It's um Howard well, Hessman. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he was familiar, in actually. Police Academy films. He was in Flight of the Navigator. But I believe he was also oh. like an old comic. Oh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Holy cow. Andrew Stevens is returns for... Munchie strikes he back. He was he was the the creepy uh, husband, want to be yeah, husband. He's, he's oh, the boyfriend, creeping the on boyfriend another woman who... in the second one. Yeah, well, the, weird Holy that he's ma- he's like the the carryover from that one. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it it kind of opens with Munchie with the with Gage like at like a college party. Then Munchie is like you know turning real hot and weird, and then uh, I think the school blows up. <laughs> some some um like star collective like heaven group they summon him and they're like we're gonna punish you for being bad on earth i i like honestly i watched the first half of it uh earlier today like while i was at work and i'm like holy (laughs) fuck is this is this crazier than munchie (laughs) like (laughs) what what is this? What have you brought to us? <laughs> what is this? What is this? Is this like an interdimensional object that exists just to baffle the minds of the it few who have sort of stumbled across like it? it? Right? It feels cursed. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, it, like yeah, everything it about is it cursed. is cursed. This is definitely a cursed film. Yeah. So I was. I'm trying to watch this movie two nights ago, and I'm like, "What is what is happening?" And we get to the point with like Gage, who is like, he sees uh carlisle elliot elliot i think is his name with with his mom and he calls him a creep and then he goes to kick rocks and he's he's walking and he says someday i'll be dead (laughs) then they'll all be sorry and i went because like i the the, where i was watching didn't have subtitles and it was kind of the voice was a little quiet and i was probably not paying complete attention and i went wait what i had to rewind it and it's like no he says someday i'll be dead and then they'll all be sorry and then he has imagination of him being in a in a casket at his funeral and i'm like what the fuck did did you catch who was the the like um I don't know, the funeral man, the mortuary guy. It's, it's, it's Angus Grimm. It's like right? an Angus Grimm uh, cameo all of a sudden. <laughs> love a fan, love a phantasm reference in a children's I movie. Know. Yeah. I mean, that's like part of what's so weird to me. It's like, I think about all the movies I liked when I was young, and now I'm realizing that they were almost all made by, by men who mostly made schlocky horror. Oh. Yeah. Because, like, all those Full Moon movies, um, this, uh, I'm trying to think, like, Mac and Me is by Stuart Raffle, who also Mm. made Tammy and the T-Rex. So it's like... Oh, yeah, that's right! So I was watching all this stuff, which was kind of schlock horror, but with the horror stripped out of it, and I'm like, this is what I like as a child. (laughs) 
fault. It, honestly, it foreshadowed things to come. You didn't think you liked horror, but guess the fuck what? You were you were priming yourself really by watching maybe even weirder shit. <laughs> Which I kind of love. Okay, so talking about Munchie in particular, we talked about his voice, and his the thing that got on my nerve is his constant use of pal. <laughs> Followed you home, pal. Real simple. Magic, pal. Like just he's like constantly he's, throwing pal around. He's like your creepy uncle that like won't leave you alone just like, just wants to hang out yes. and he's like i'll let you drink a beer and you're like dude i'm 10 like leave me alone. i'm gonna order pizza like i don't want to party but sorry i just he reminds me of like a weird family member who's like too obsessed with the kids and you're like get away like you're so weird but you mentioned earlier, Madeline, about how, like, he has, the, like, the soulless eyes. And what, what drew me initially, well, not drew me, but, like, what kind of terrified me originally is, like, this looks like a reject Chuck E. Cheese oh doll that they had tried to, like, create for yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. Because Chuck E. Cheese, particularly back in, like, the – when I would have gone in, like, the 80s and early 90s, they looked horrifying. Yeah. Like, I thought – even as a kid, I was like, there's something off about these. And it's their eyes. Their eyes just feel so dead. And him just, like, just blankly staring uh-huh. – and his mouth isn't quite moving with the words that are being spoken. Yep. It's just he's yeah, alive. it's just like double eyelids, and the fact that like his 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 <sighs> pupils are so small, and the whites of his eyes are so big, and like it does, he looks like a Chuck E. Cheese uh, puppet that was in a fire. Yes, and someone tried to clean him. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> That pizza, I, though. <laughs> that pizza. I mean, I, I'm from New York, so <laughs> I didn't like that pizza. <laughs> no, that pizza looked gross when when, he, when it was like being served on the table. I was like, that looks like plastic, and then yeah. it starts to like levitate and fly. I'm like, uh-huh. there's a minor little bit of a plot where the the chef's chasing uh, after her with a butcher yeah. knife down Just the street, running through the streets with a knife. Also, probably something that scared me. The cop, the cop stopped him, and the like the, the fucking pizza is still flying through the air. And that's one of his, like, one yeah. of his oh powers is to summon food from wherever. <laughs> I was like, I guess that's certainly a magical power you could have. And like, once again, when we find this out, we have no idea what the fuck this is, why he is, who he is. Yeah. There's nothing. And we really don't get much. Like, we don't ever really get much. Yeah. Think about all the bugs that that pizza probably I, hit. I did. It's just like and covered in so, bugs. I'm like, it would have been so much easier just to order delivery, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like summon a pizza that was already in a box, please. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but Munchie has like a kind of like the monkey's paw, I, I guess, is, is what they were kind of going for. Because like yes. the kid just like makes a bunch of wishes and then they come true and they all kind of blow up in poor Gage's face. I do think it's funny how no matter anything that happens in the movie, it's all of a sudden Gage's fault. He might not have even been there. Like with the the when the when the principal is is sitting on his assistant in the room and all of a sudden it's like being broadcast, he immediately blames it on Gage and I'm like, how how would it be Gage? It is funny that all the consequences are exactly the same, which is people think that it's his fault, which yeah. it is in a way. Yeah. So it is almost like not even consequences. It's just like 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 not monkey's paw consequences, but just like regular old consequences. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just yeah. keeps saying, but I got the blame. <laughs> I took care of Mr. Again, GQ for you. I want to know what he did to that guy who dropped him in the bottomless pit. I really do. <laughs> because Munchie seems to be generally pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying, but yeah. Uh. Would, you, would, you, would you party with him? 
Yeah, definitely. Cool. Me too. I, th- I think I would. Yeah. For like a couple hours. Yeah. And then I try to like lose him. Mostly for the picture. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to have my personal information. I think the like 50th time he called me pal, I would just be like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Hey, but pal. I would, I would actually go to a party that Munchie was present at and try to get a photo of him. <laughs> yeah, you would. That's amazing. <laughs> I would talk to him, but I'd get a picture and say I was at a party with Munchie. Exactly. Yeah, look, he's real. <laughs> Oh, God, I don't want to be on this earth with that's a real creature at parties. Oh, then the other thing that's absolutely wild is the very end of the movie, which is for some reason Munchie and the professor go on vacation together. And Munchie's in the box. (laughs) Yeah, he's in the box. But then the plane starts taking off. And, the, and then a bunch of people are like, oh, my God, the pilot's right here. Who's flying the plane? And and you see Munchie's flying the plane with the professor as his co-pilot. I, <laughs> I was like, Which, I get why Munchie would do this, but wh- why are you involved? And also Gage like laughs. He's like, oh, Munchie. Oh, Munchie. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Munchie. This is how. Yeah. This is very much AI wrote a fucking movie. Like none of it, mm-hmm. like none of the logic makes sense. But like it has those mo- like those beats of like a 90s or 80s like kids monster movie. But without any of the actual logic or connective tissue. <laughs> I'm going to take Final Destination and cut the shots of Munchie flying the plane. Oh my god. Right before the plane takes off. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. 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 I believe that this needs to happen. Uh, this is the fan film we've all wanted. The <laughs> munchy destination. I do love that it tries to give a moral because there's like a throwaway line. It is almost a completely throwaway line where uh, it's like the third or fourth time that the gauge has gotten in trouble for something that the munchie has done. And his response is, yes, you should never have asked for something unless you really want it. (laughs) Again, that was supposed to be some kind of impactful line that like had all this meaning. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, It doesn't that doesn't mean anything. because then he follows it up by calling. He's like starting to. He that's when he starts to use the uh, uh, the the Jack voice and to oh. start calling people. So it's like immediately from that, from like the moral of the story to like now we're going to fill your house with a bunch of adults that are drinking. Because <laughs> this makes perfect sense. Love that. On top of this, the mom's boyfriend is like, "You should beat your kid. That's why he's this way." Yes. <laughs> like, isn't that strange? Like that that part to me was really menacing with the with the boyfriend i was like he's fucking disgusting and predatory Especially like yeah the line he uses there's only one type of punishment he'll understand you've turned him into a mama's boy or something even worse Ooh. Oh, even i was worse. waiting for him to say like a slur or like call i was uh-huh. like i was waiting i'm like what is it huh what's worse there was a couple times i was waiting for the f word to get dropped too. here i was like say it do it <laughs> Uh, that's something i've learned about uh 90s comedies is they say a lot of slurs they sure do (laughs) re-watching monster squad and like within the first five minutes of the the modern day thing and they're dropping the f word and i'm like yeah what is even not to reveal my obsession with devin sawa but idle hands is real rough oh (laughs) yeah yeah. i can imagine yeah i haven't watched that since i was in high school i don't think it it is a lot of words that we do not use anymore (laughs) and so much um 
just like the female characters is pretty much just being molested by everyone. It's it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah, man, the 90s, what a terrible decade. Certainly <laughs> a time where we were a not really time. in control of ourselves and really just went for it. Yeah, I'm I was a 6-year-old watching Munchie at a, at a house on an island by yourself so. or your parents <laughs> like Yeah. Talk. Yeah. I love that. We'll just give Munchie. We'll watch the children. That's a monkey's paw scenario if I've ever heard one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I just remember like hiding on the stairs, oh. you know, like so I could see the TV like through oh, the banister, yep. you know, yep. like the railings. Um, but being like, I'm just so fucking scared of Munchie. So, yeah, because you you'd mentioned that when you when you stopped, it was when Munchie dies. Is that what that happens in the sequel? He gets or... summoned to some sort oh, of space council. Okay, it was that. Uh, All right. Or, or like not even space council, but like afterlife council because like Elvis and Cleopatra are there. <laughs> and and Colonel Sanders, I guess. Oh, uh, yes, like, our cosmic a, beings. Yeah, like a, yeah, I think <laughs> maybe it's like cosmic beans, uh, beans, cosmic Cos- Cosmic beans. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the cosmic beans. Phenomenal fiber content. In those. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were totally regular. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so that, that's what like was the straw that broke your back. But it, was it, it was. was it? It was because he was so creepy. Is that what? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he scared me. I knew that he wasn't safe. <laughs> Yeah, dude's, dude's fucking making a car fly. Yeah, and then you know a lot of stuff happening in that movie. Also, like the guy running around with the knife, Munchie flying the plane, which we just flew on a plane. I'm scared. <laughs> um, yeah, there was so much that frightened me, but I think it was really just Munchie himself. Yeah, I, I would. I understand. I understand that 100 because it's not the cute little friendo that. I think they thought they were making. They instead made a yeah. nightmare being from the depths of hell. Cosmic horror. Baby's first cosmic with horror. With his weird little rubber fingers <laughs> as he's typing. With his weird little sausage fingers as he's changing the grades. What a weirdo. Well, do we want to wrap this up and give it our rating out of five? It sounds good. All right. Well, Terry, you ha- uh, you are first up here. How many oh Dom DeLuise's horrifying voices out of five do you give this this particular experience oh this movie was a hot mess <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how to how to qualify that but I, it's um it's not good it honestly it just it honestly feels like a movie where someone said monkey's paw teen uh kids young adult movie munchie and boom like I, I don't. It does not feel of this world, and so for me, I, I, I one and a half okay. of his voices. It's <laughs> I, yeah. I just I'm. This was a delightful conversation, and I'm having a blast talking about it. But the actual art of watching that movie, not exactly the greatest. What about you, Mary Beth? So I'm gonna give it two because okay. of that otherworldly aspect of it and how it feels so disconnected from reality and how I That's will fair. want to suggest this at a movie night with my <laughs> friends. Like this is an experience that was pra- not probably meant to be such an experience, but it is still an experience to be had. And I'm glad I watched it. It's, you know, I, I feel... You imbibe something and you get your yeah. friends together and... I feel like I now maybe understand the world a little bit more and I'm more terrified of it now that I know that Munchie, even if he has a puppet, just exists somewhere. And that that fear alone, I give it to you, Dom DeLuise's terrifying. Do you think 
Do you think Amunchi is just chilling in someone's storage? 100%. <gasps> Either storage oh God, or like someone's office. It? Oh my god, we have to find it. Yeah, just like I'm like obsessed with the puppet from the Interpol music video for Evil. I, <laughs> I just want to get that puppet so bad. I want that puppet. Now I want Munchie. Okay. <laughs> I'm o- but I'm only attracted to one of them. <laughs> and it's Munchie. Um <laughs> I'll never tell. I will, I, is munchy. I, you look, my sexuality is munchy. Ooh, um, I'm not. <laughs> Dom DeLuise's man, voice man, he could just get me into the sack. Hey, pal. A uh, dry, drier than the Sahara. Um, anyway, Madeline, you have the final word. What is your uh, <laughs> rating for this beautiful film? How many Dom DeLuise voices? Five out of five. Okay. All right. Respect. I respect it. I respect it. Genius gold encryption key to my taste. <laughs> uh, I love it. Do you watch this movie a lot, or is this the first time you've revisited it? I definitely have revisited it, um, but it's it's probably been you know maybe twenty years. Okay. Yeah, like I would have watched it again shortly after becoming okay with watching stuff, and then it's been a long time. Right. I, this might be my first time watching it as an adult, but you know what? I loved every second of it. I respect it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much, Madeline, for introducing us to the wild world of Munchie. Uh, where can your listeners find you? And the floor is yours. Plug away. Um, you can find me just about everywhere at DVD Box Set um, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. I have very good username continuity. So DVD Box Set. I run a podcast with my lawyer, which we post episodes sometimes. It's called Madeline and her attorney watch movies. <laughs> I watch movies with my lawyer, and then we talk about them. Um, And the Unnamed Footage Festival uh, badges are in sale right now. Uh, If you just, you know, search Unnamed Footage Festival, you will find us. You'll find our website, unnamedfootagefestival.com. Buy a badge. Come hang out with us. It's going to be our best year ever, and I'm very, very excited for it. It's March 23rd to the 26th yeah come, hang come out say hi we're gonna be there everyone cool's gonna be there so come come hang and are you are you doing a digital version of the festival this year we will have a virtual probably in fall cool. kind of what ha- what's happened with the virtual is the first time we did the virtual was the first year of lockdown when we couldn't mm-hmm. have one so we came up with this idea of doing like a live stream festival and we did it again last year because it was such a hit and people kept asking for it but truthfully we didn't have that much bandwidth so we're trying to find a way where we can do it um and like i think a big part of that is going to be to give us four or five months after the festival proper but most of it's already programmed because the truth is we get so many movies that we love and want to show and you can only pack so many movies into a long Mm -hmm. weekend so it's kind of all the stuff that we like really wanted to show people that we couldn't fit in the theater hell yeah um so there will absolutely be another virtual yeah. uh hoping it'll be a, another overnight live stream but but we'll we'll have announcements on it cool. soon. and listeners check the show notes because you'll find links to the festival page and all of that for for all of your clicky goodness thank you all right listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you did you see munchie what were your thoughts about munchie D- is munchie scary to you you can let us know uh by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast@gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MV McAndrews. And I'm McGaley Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast at Scarred Podcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, uh, sign up through Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Oh, no, no, no.
have scratchers to scratch. There's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.